Welcome to We Bought a Van, and we carved it out. Uh, we're talking we, about we're talking about the big short this week, right? And we put a podcast uh, studio in it. Yeah. Uh, I would you guys would you guys do a nomadic podcast? Yes. Well, here's the question: Do we record while we're driving? Here's the thing. So. We actually, we talk into microphones. We clear out, like, we make a pod studio, but, like, we just don't actually talk to anybody because we don't have internet access. Uh-huh. So it's just us, like, talking all the time. Yeah, because yeah. there's no electricity to power any of yeah. the equipment. Can I tell you guys uh, something? Um, I, I meant to tell you guys this off mic, but uh, I, I forgot to. So I'm going to do it now while it's recorded on the microphone. Um so some news came out like a week or two ago about how Martin Scorsese like created a uh, movie club over quarantine and stuff like that. Swag. And as uh, I was doing like uh, I think he was like with like Quentin Tarantino and like some other oh, people like that. Yes. I was like, man, and I was just like, why don't me and the guys make a movie club with each other? And then I answered my own question immediately and was like, oh, yeah, we do. It's called the podcast. Mm-hmm. Yep. And Gaia now every time I come to the podcast says like, have fun at movie club. Yeah. That's what this is. This is Movie Club. And yeah. welcome, you're part of Movie Club. Like what if you if you told people in like the 90s like yeah, like what if you, you know, like the book club that your mom does, what if that was just recorded and like like sent out to the world? They People would be, be like, like that sucks. Yeah, they'd be Who like what? to hear that. Yeah, exactly. They'd be like you're a no. crazy person. Yeah, and also like a lot of people do this mm-hmm. and not a ton of people listen. Mm-hmm. And some of them talk about people being murdered isn't that like the the most popular yeah, genre crime the most popular shit. thing in a book <laughs> <laughs> is a lady getting murdered it's tantalizing like, oh i see myself in that that's true welcome to the show i am Ernest. i am just hunter today i'm drew just hunter. i'm just hunter were you going to come up with a, a, a fancy yeah, nomadic well, So here's nickname? the thing. I was going to throw shade on this movie immediately and say that I'm fully willing to be bought by buying me a vanity license plate and sending me uh, bottles of wine that say Nomadland wine. But I didn't want I didn't want to start this review out on a negative note. So I'm just Hunter today. We're talking Nomadland um, directed by Chloe Zhao um, based on the book, which I think is also called Nomadland. Mm hmm. Um, about a, well, actually, I don't know what the book's about, but the movie is about a woman who lives in a van and experiences the world of essentially nomads driving around America, mm-hmm. living on the road in their, in their campers and their RVs. And, um, it's kind of just this very straightforward story, kind of a slice of life story about what this life is like about being on the road detached from civilization detached from all these things that we uh 
kind of hold dear in society, like houses, places, toilets. Um, it's in theaters right now. It's also on Hulu, which mm-hmm. I think is fascinating. That's awesome. Um, it is the most celebrated movie of the award season right now. And it's just right there on Hulu. Mm-hmm. You can just click on it and watch it. And if you get on there, it is the first thing that'll pop yeah, up. Yeah, it's actually, they're not doing a Netflix thing sometimes where they just bury it like Mank on day three. No, they're the banner. Even on, on Google TV, on my Chromecast. Yeah, it just shows up the right home, there. As soon as you turn thing. on Chromecast, like Hulu's paying money. They want this to be an Oscar bid. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a Fox searchlight, or I guess searchlight pictures, uh, pulling the gun and, and, and going for it. I mean, we've seen other studios do it. Uh, obviously the big one was HBO max announcing that all their big, all the big Warner brothers movies would be on the service. But this one, it, it seems like they're going to see how it goes and then maybe announce it for the other ones. Uh, a similar, it, it seems like a really good idea to just put it on streaming and theaters at the same time. Pretty much you're just getting as many people to watch your thing as possible. Yeah. For a movie that wasn't ever going to be like a blockbuster anyway. Yeah. I well, I was gonna wait until a little bit later in the pod, but I guess we can talk about it now since we are talking about that, like about how it's kind of it's still a little bit baffling to me that this is the heavy front runner, the it's heavy a weird favorite movie. to be yeah. best picture runner and best director. Not to take anything away from this movie, but this is a style of film that just never actually gets recognized by award shows. And it makes me wonder if maybe a big portion of that is due to the fact that we don't factor in box office this past year because of the pandemic and everything that people are more willing to open themselves up to something that isn't as traditional an awards movie. Mm-hmm. But like this is one of the most if this does go on to win Best Picture, this will be like one of the most unlikely movies in recent memory to win Best Picture. If I mean, going back to your uh, your Oscar episode, which uh, listeners can go back and listen to. But one of the categories that Hunter brings up is like about like what is an Oscar movie? A Best Picture mm-hmm. movie is a movie that is about America, a movie that explains America. Wasn't that one of your yeah. categories? Yeah, yeah, that's one of the things. And it does fall into this is that. this is what that would be but, but it, it is yeah. it's so untraditional as far as the actual filmmaking goes and like there isn't really a plot to this movie there's a plot that kicks in in the third act of this movie but yeah. it is much more um much it's, more surgical with the way that it chooses to dissect what it is to be what it is to live out the american dream there is no big monologue at least not i mean there is a incredible monologue that we'll get into every we get into more spoilers of the movie um but that's not delivered by francis mcdormand um it's just it's it's very interesting seeing like how this is played out because i thought that this movie i don't know about you guys but the hype around this movie had been building for months now oh yeah um and it, like, i thought that this was i thought that this was going it, to be a different movie than what it was people saw it a long time ago yeah and now we're finally getting a chance to see it. It feels like almost a year after it initially got screened for critics. Um, yeah, this wasn't a Sundance movie, was I don't think so. I know Minari I was, like was a Sundance. Ride maybe or something like that. I can't remember what the first uh, festival was that premiered at. But it was like pretty early on last year. Um, and maybe part of that is on me to 
blamed on me uh, because I've seen the writer. I've seen Chloe Zhao's other films, so I knew her style. But for mm-hmm. some reason, I felt like, well, the writer got completely passed over by critics or not by critics so much, but as like major awards as far as that goes. So this well, has this, to be more traditional and it's not really. This has a, a star in the center that the writer doesn't, you know? Yes, that I, is I think the, the thing that this shares with the writer is that it does have that quality of it being um, hybrid documentary. Mm-hmm. But that's like a weird way of describing it because it doesn't really look that way or or feel that way. But that's essentially what it is. It's like it's like 50 percent a documentary. But Chloe Zhao is just so good at blending it that you don't feel like you're watching a documentary. You're completely immersed in the story. Um, but you do have an actual performance at the core with Francis McDormand. That's something that's different from the writer. Mm-hmm. Kind of. I haven't seen the writer, so I don't know oh. like that guy well, yeah, how I much mean, of a performance. The writer is. is almost exclusively non-actors or real actors. I mean, because they are actually giving on a performance of sorts. But I mean, the writer is almost exclusively all uh, real people. And this is also almost exclusively real people. But there is still a definite there's a recognizable face at the beginning at the center of the film um what did you guys think about the film overall because i had this in my top 10 i was the only person who saw it whenever we did our top 10 i was i was waiting up for it until everybody had a chance to see it and we went to the movies yeah to see it we went to a movie theater we we masked it (laughs) we double masked up on a tuesday and And, uh and saw it on the big screen and my god i'm so glad i did because this just looks so gorgeous on the big screen man oh my god this movie looks fantastic the the wide open vistas the the feeling of grandeur and and uh vast like the the american west is empty and wide and and open and and just so expansively uh large that it's tough to fit that into a, a small screen and it lends itself really, really well to the theater. And mm-hmm. I I was feeling down about having to watch this on on a TV, uh, although I'm sure it still looks fantastic just because, you know, it's still a great movie. But I love being able to see it in the theater. And, you know, you, you got that COVID anxiety of like, oh, shit, am I getting the fucking virus from going to this theater? But um, it was worth it. It was worth it. I loved it. I think. Um, there's a lot to dig into because this movie has a lot on its mind. There's there's just so much to talk about with everything it's trying to say and all the themes that it wants to get across about like what we want from life and what is important to us and and what we you know hold to be imp- dear and 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 gravitate towards. But as a movie, I think it, it works really really well. And I think it's again, like you said, it's unconventional. It's a it's a weird movie. It's it's this hybrid documentary thing. And I think Chloe Zhao is the MVP of the whole thing, because what she does with these non-actors is unlike anything I've seen before. Yeah, that's that's what I was going to say is I would very handedly give her best director, because in addition to the film just being absolutely stunning like that. It's like what I always say about uh, whenever a big ensemble of kids is really good. That means the director is really good at directing kids. Like 
the you know like you can plenty of credit deserves to go to these people and some uh in particular are just so unbelievably natural and moving on screen uh but the fact that they all are is a director thing like they can't just flip the camera no. on and just think it's gonna work yeah and um uh Franny McDee is, you know, no one is doubting her abilities as an actress, but she is not the like she's the lead of the movie, but she really doesn't her story doesn't take center stage uh in the middle chunk of it. Mm-hmm. And for the majority of the movie, I'd say it's uh it's it's a lot of reaction shots of her talking to some real ass people. Uh and her, you know, looking stoically on or maybe they're throwing a little bit of plot in there, but uh, we're getting to meet real human beings who, uh, you know, likely not willingly were forced to adopt this lifestyle uh, of, you know, living in a van and being very poor and, you know, grew to embrace it. Uh, it's it's I love the movie. We love the film. I so because, Drew, I know you watched this at home. Was your watching it at home? Did that impact your viewing at all? of I, the film? I wouldn't know. Because I didn't watch it anywhere else. Okay. <laughs> I will did you, say. Did you feel I, like you were like being pulled away from the movie by distractions like your phone? No, I had the lights yes. off. It was all it was all good. I will say because um, I saw this on a screener link at this point, like a month or two month, month and a half ago um, and then saw it in the theaters with you because I really wanted to see it on a wider screen. And it does add something seeing it on a wider screen with the huge landscapes um, luckily I have a pretty good setup at my house, but still it was nice seeing it on that, but still going, coming out of it, I had the same takeaway about Chloe Zhao, which is the reason why she should win best director is not because she can make the open landscapes of the West look beautiful. A lot of people can do that who are okay. It's a, it's a cinematic location. It's a very cinematic yeah. location. The thing that deserves best director for, and the thing that's, at the same time, baffling for me why she's getting recognized because it's the hardest, it's the most understated kind of direction that you can do, but directing real people. Yeah. That is so fucking hard to do. I, I and don't she understand makes it, it look effortless between this and the writer and her first film, which I actually haven't still had a chance to see yet, but um, her uh, film that she made before the writer. But like, that's a type of direction that doesn't ever really get credit. And it's, the most difficult thing you can do, you're not working with trained professionals. And to the same credit, I think that the biggest takeaway for Frances McDormand is that she is able to act alongside these people. It really does going to your documentary feel. It really does have like almost an interview style to a lot of the dialogue, which is something that we were talking about after we saw the movie that like, it's just like almost like you have to rely on Frances McDormand just holds together some semblance of a plot and then just like work off of real people as they're just actually telling their stories. Mm-hmm. But it's not it's not scripted, you know, and there's so many scenes in this movie that feel like they're perfectly written and perfectly performed where you you tell yourself there is no way that this person is not an actor like this is an emotional performance. Mm-hmm. But it's not. And I, I don't know. I would love to get the the scoop on how they made this thing, because there is no way that you can give a non-actor a script no, and they have don't, them deliver it. They they're just, they're just it. speaking from the heart. Yeah, these people, I mean, their stories mirror like uh, Ferns, which is Frances McDormand's character story. Like, 
most of them had no other options and this is their life. But they're they're unburdened by a camera being pointed in their face. That's the thing that baffles. Yeah. Me. It's how how do you accomplish that? How do you capture that emotion, that realism without having that artifice that yeah, can come? That's what's with crazy. Pointing a camera in somebody's because face. Part of me while watching it was thinking like it would almost make more sense if they went full sociopath Borat mode and didn't tell them that Frances McDormand was an actress. And so, like, they thought they were, like, really spilling their guts to a really human. I doubt that. Yeah. Well, no, they obviously didn't do yeah. that. That'd be insane. Uh, but, like, it's that level of, like, interaction they're receiving from these people. Like, you would think that they are talking to, like, their true friend. Which, obviously, Frances McDormand probably it did become close to these mm-hmm. people. Like, she did spend a shitload of time with them. Um, it, it Like, it was... There's a scene where she uh, says a goodbye to a character she spent a ton of time Dude, with. That was real. Ripped man. me yeah. open. Yeah, that wasn't acting on Francis's part. Like that was her saying goodbye to someone that she really did. A love. real person who actually uh, like was sick with cancer and stuff like that. Like that was a real nomad. Yeah. Um. So it's it's really 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 impressive. Uh. And the movie itself, I think, is very very emotionally affecting. Um, it has a lot of vibes of something like the Florida Project, and it's which also had non actors too. Well, yeah, you know, it, no, Baker. exactly. Yeah, it 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 features non actors, uh, in you know playing characters that are uh, in that movie a little further apart from what they actually are, but still like like lower class, like you know non well off people. It's an exploration of poverty. Yeah, mm-hmm. they, both of these films are. They're both very spacey. Um, like in terms of like shots having like a wide lens, like they both show uh, a lot of space. They both uh, have a lot of breathing room for uh, lack of dialogue. Like there, you know, there's just there's a lot of like feel to both. They're both tone poems. Yeah, um, for sure. I I like Florida Project more because it's one of my favorite movies ever. Uh, but that's no slight against this. I thought this was fucking awesome. Yeah, I, I I don't think that this is quite as emotionally resonant for me. No, as but Florida also this is also like a way different thing. Yeah, well, no, it, but to that tone poem, right? You are yeah, right to yeah. compare the two things. I think for me, one of the things, and I mean, this is almost more of a fault on myself than it is on the movie, but I think that because Francis McDormand is a very, very famous, a movie star is right in the center of it. There were moments where I was a little bit taken out of the film. And maybe that's also because I've seen the writer before and something like the Florida project where like you have, um, our guy, Willem Dafoe is in the film, but he is more on the, he's not the star. He's not the star. He's not in the center of the frame. I think that there were still some moments where it was almost just like, okay, what's going on here? Especially in the third act when it's like, okay, we have to have a plot start now in the movie that it just, it, still it takes me out of it just just a little bit yeah i think i think the the fern character is the the biggest thing that you could flag as a as a complaint um i understand that like having a movie star can be a little bit of like a jolt of breaking the the magic of what is being accomplished in in this movie but i don't think it was as much that for me I think it was more just so her performance. It is a great performance. I think that she does like meld into this character really well, but there was a level of like 
disconnect that I felt from Fern. I, I don't feel like I really like th- there's something that happened in her past um, that hangs over this movie uh, and over her, her emotional journey. But I don't feel like I really felt what she was feeling as a viewer. Mm. I think that what this movie accomplishes more is to show you this broader lifestyle and what comes with it and what comes with like making these choices that that people in this life make not as much the fern character the the movie is more concerned with like um at least this is my experience from watching it with showing you what somebody in this situation might go through on a broader level as opposed to like this specific character and what she's feeling. There was a little bit of of like a disconnect with me, like being in her shoes. So I was kind of, I was doing this mental exercise after I saw this movie the first time. And I don't know, this is something that I was thinking about was, is the movie better or worse if you actually do see the trauma that happens in her life? Cause it's alluded to, but it's completely off screen. You it's, but it's like, I, I mean, does that make, does that add anything? Does that embellish her character more? Because I had like a similar kind of thought, especially the first time that I watched this movie was trying to like figure, like trying to pinpoint, like, it's not just that it's a movie star in the center here. How can we make our main protagonist that we're following yeah. a little bit um, more empathetic? I think, I think we're dealing with the exact same issue that we had with Judas and the Black Messiah, where this character is not (laughs) is like by design not very uh approachable like it's it's someone that like holds back a lot of what they feel or maybe like won't even admit to themselves what they feel you know what i mean Mm. like she is sure she she is ornery yeah she definitely needs to go therapy but she won't like to deal with this trauma like it's we 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 can save the bulk of this for for spoilers but I think that the reason why she even is pursuing this life is because of that. Yeah. There are multiple instances in this story when she is given very uh, sensible, sane opportunities to have a home and a stable life. And she makes the choice not to do it. She's not living this life because she has to. Mm -hmm. And I'm already I'm already giving away too much. But this is a choice. And and I think that it lends itself to her method of of dealing with the level of of pain and trauma that she's that she's dealing with. Um, But I'm already giving away too much. So let's let's give some final thoughts before we fully go into. I did want to quickly address because, I mean, of course, because this movie is now starting to get frontrunner status for the best picture, there has been a bit of backlash for this movie. And I think that some of it is kind of warranted, um, specifically with some of the way that it uh, portrays people who choose this life as uh, a lot of them is like they are wholly good or like they don't try and touch the Amazon of it all and stuff like that. And I almost wonder if this is, um, I said this to you after we saw the movie together, Ernest, but like if it's Malcolm and Marie, that's affecting like (laughs) infiltrating my brain that I wanted this movie to be more pronounced and more political than it even was. But even to something take as a simple stance against Amazon, you're well, saying? not even against Amazon, but just for something like, for example, um, this movie is completely different with a person of color in the lead, uh, yes. which is something of this. Oh. If there is 
a black woman who living is in a firm, van. who's living in a yeah. van, parking in places where she shouldn't be. Very different. That is a drastically yeah. different. Well, then the movie is about something else. Yeah. And that's, like, you know, you're changing what the movie is Exactly. And that's, that's kind of the whole thing where it's just like, I mean, cause I don't want to change the tone poem nature of this movie. Cause I do really appreciate the hyper realism. Yeah. And it's just, it's, it's like Chloe Zhao had the idea to make a movie about the nomad experience in America. She didn't have the idea to approach it on an intersectional basis, aside from the fact that Frances McDormand is a woman, you know, Mm -hmm. she wanted to get a general feel for nomad life. There is, I mean, there is something to be said about this life being only accessible to a certain group of people, mainly white people. We do see, I think there's like one black lady in there. I don't know if there's more people of color in there. There are, yeah, there are more people of color, not a lot of uh, black people for that reason that you touched on, Hunter. Um, But generally, I wasn't upset at all by the fact that they didn't approach this stuff because, uh, I would be really upset if they really like laid out like like some sort of attack against Amazon. Like to me, I was shocked that Amazon let them in Mm -hmm. because this like the first thing we see is that this is a woman living in her van and freezing. And the second thing we see is she works at Amazon. That's a stand against Amazon. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just like depicting the reality of what Amazon is. Yeah. It's it's one of those situations where uh, Amazon is solving the problem that they created exactly yeah they're putting out their own fire (laughs) Mm -hmm. like it's uh that to me was like insanely damning and it didn't have to like bend over backwards to achieve that it literally just had to show uh, a very common experience that amazon has created (laughs) and this this whole movie is like this and this is why i think it's so good because it doesn't take the easy route there's no scene in this movie where you have Fern telling you how she feels. And, and you know, my complaint about me being disconnected from her might be a little bit of like a be careful what you wish for type of thing, where if you do have a, a version of this movie where it is more telegraphed, it would probably be a lot worse because yeah, exactly you don't want the version of this movie where you have an exposition dump about well, exactly mm-hmm. what's what she's feeling especially because for most of the movie uh she would have to be having these interactions with non-actors yeah like that's not you don't want that like right. that sucks that's, but you have david St- St- well no well, and that's like the exposition dumps we do get about her which are a little bit like molly's gameish like let me tell you a little bit, something about yourself okay? yeah um yeah that's true um that's because those are actors yeah. talking or at least like actor adjacent people but yeah you can't like you get some of it when she is talking to bob wells because he is very camera friendly this is a this is like a micro celebrity yeah exactly this is a a guru of nomad life who has like a very successful youtube channel so like they can leave the camera on him and have her sort of like interact and maybe even improvise talk about her character's life with him and he will not fuck it up like he absolutely nails his shit um but that's probably the only person you would really want to go in depth with about a character's life and have it be like okay Instantly in my head, I have to react how me, just a person, would react to that person who is not a person, but I'm pretending they are. Like, that's too much mental math for someone who has no acting experience most of the time. Would you watch a Nomadland 2 that just centers around Bob Wells? Sure. Mm. Mm. Just go to his YouTube channel. I I watch some of his videos. (laughs) This man is fucking awesome. I want this man to be my grandfather. Can you adopt a grandfather? (laughs) 
Before we dive into spoilers, I just wanted to kind of outline a little bit more about why I think this movie is resonating on such a grand level and why it is up for so many awards Um, because it deserves them. I, I think that what this movie does is it makes you ask really profound questions about life. Um, and it doesn't give you any easy answers. I think that this movie makes you think about like what we want from life. You know, I think every one of us has something deep within us. That's telling us to just go to just pick up and go and run naked into the woods. Mm -hmm. Like that deep, deep uh, animalistic urge of returning to nature, like the apes that we are. And we've built these layers of civilization around us for millennia. And it's still somewhere deep in there. And this movie like taps into that. And it taps into that that need to embrace our place in nature, within nature, as 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 much as possible. And that's what these people are doing in a way. They're they're saying, I I want to strip away society and civilization and i want to become as close to nature as possible but it doesn't tell you that that's the right way to live that's not what this movie is mm-hmm. saying it's not saying that there's a better way to live than another that one way is more correct than the other it's just making you think about these things and and thinking about the flip side too we gravitate towards stability and and home. I I've mentioned it uh, these last couple of weeks. I'm buying a house with my girlfriend, yeah, and we're spending so pussy. much time and effort into making this huge decision that Did this millions... make you want to just be like, well, we could just like make buy a van. <laughs> yeah, just go. Yeah, and it's it, it's it, buying a house is something that is a huge deal for millions of people, and it's it's something that uh, the nomads don't. It's not a thing for them mm. at all. It's not even a factor. And it doesn't, this movie is not coming down on one side or the other. It's not saying you're wrong for wanting a house or you're wrong for wanting to live on the road. It presents that duality and it presents the struggle and the tug of war between both of those things. And I think it's so fascinating. Yeah. I think that one thing that I did want from the movie is that I wish that it showed a little bit more. I don't, I'm not saying for it to become come down very much on one side or the other, but I wanted just a couple more small scenes showing the hardships of the nomadic life. Cause like, we get so much of like the camaraderie and the family that's built there. But like, I mean, don't get me wrong. We have shots of Francis McDormand shitting in a bucket and somebody trying to knock on her door to come in. But like, I feel like we could have had even like a few more things of like showing like how fucking hard this is, how hard it is to even just find a place to park your car for the night. Yeah. Um, it, that didn't bug me too much. I'd like, I, I saw it's kind of the whole deal. It's as a depiction of uh, a tough life that people turn into something that they desire. Like it's yeah. it, the movie. It's not tragedy porn. It's no. it's, it's, it's a, not. And that's that's not what I want. No, it's just it's about to me like the dichotomy of like freedom, quote unquote, yes. because these people are asserting themselves as like truly free members of society, but like almost none of the people interviewed became nomads by choice. They are very poor. 
mm-hmm. like they don't have the money uh to have a house they could like if they settled down they wouldn't buy a house they would rent the worst apartment in their city they are victims of the failure of 21st century america yeah exactly like the whole thing is set in the backdrop of the great recession for a reason they could have just said it in modern times these people still exist um but it's it's set up as like a financial collapse caused a lot of this when, when I say this movie is about America, this movie is about a promise that was made about America in the 20th century that literally doesn't exist anymore. Mm-hmm. And it kind of never existed. It I was think just, it, did. I think it was like go, a fake promise. Though. No, if you go back to like the 80s, you know, I think it, it a little it, bit, but not the idealized version that America promised. There was a time. I think maybe it's just been romanticized to hell with mm-hmm. the decades. But I think there was a time when you could work hard and get a job and get a house and be happy. And now that you have to work three jobs hard to maybe get enough money to maybe buy a shitty ass house. And that's not the American dream. And I think that, you know, Next week, we're going to talk the, about a the movie American that, dream is actually just like chilling on Wall Street bros and just like investing in the right stock. Wall Street bets. Wall Street bets. Just going, going to hey, the fucking moon. It's going back up. I Hey, I sold it all as soon as it spiked and now it's starting to go down again. <laughs> Should have never got in. Hey, you know what? Don't buy I'm a meme hands. stock. Um, <laughs> next week, next week we're going to be talking about a I, movie that is set in the 80s and that is directly about the American dream with mm-hmm. Minari. And I think that. You know, that that also touches on the idea of like right. what you expect from coming to America and trying to like live out this ideal. And I think that this movie shows you how that ideal uh, Nomadland shows you how that ideal is something that is kind of impossible to realize in the modern era. It I, just doesn't it doesn't exist. I did want to ask you guys before we get into plot specifics with spoilers. um, this is a 2020 release. Um, where would you put this on your 2020 list of movies? Because Ernest, you are not allowed to put this on your 2020 list of movies, like hey, you did don't, Portrait of a Lady on Fire. Tell me what to do. This past year, where where would you guys put this on your list? I had it at nine on my list. I might bump it up a spot or two, but like I'm comfortable with where that is. It definitely is in my top ten movies of the year. It's in like my top three. Top three. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's a great movie. And there it's, really weren't many last year. It's in my top three of 2021. <laughs> it is not a 2021 release, Ernest. I wanted to say this on pod it to like just hold you out, accountable. It just came out in theaters in 2021. We on just saw Letterbox, it. it says 2020. If you look it up, on it had a release in 2020. Did it? it look Where? on Wikipedia, the very first line is Nomad Land is a 2020 American drama film. Where was it released in 2020? Where Ernie, Ernie thinks he knows better than the whole internet. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Because if you go on IMDb, it says it was released in February of 2021. That's what it says. Because that's when it was released. I, I don't want to do this Ugh. again. Just where would it be? Yeah, you go on the movies? website, it says the year, and that's the year. How about that? Go to release date. Yeah, but like, well, okay, go no, to you don't have to go anywhere. You okay. just Google it, and the year in association up, with man. Searchlight, uh, the film was held for virtual screenings for one week only, beginning on December 4th, 2020. That is a 2020 release. One week only where? Uh, film. It was just, it was a virtual screening. Hmm. 
I'd probably it. I'd probably put it at five. Number five, probably. Huh. Maybe six. That looks like I'm a little bit lower on it than you guys. I still really enjoyed it a lot. I don't want to be too negative on this review. Because it's I'm, in my top I'm ten. So, no, I'm saying I'm because uh, I have it in the back half of my top ten. Like, But I still really, really enjoyed this movie a lot. I don't really plan on revisiting this movie again soon because it's it not twice. exactly a fun hang. Um, but I don't I don't yeah. plan on revisiting like any movies. So no. That hey, that's why shit house is above it, baby. Shit house just fire that mm. shit on any given day. Well, let's get into spoilers for Nomadland. So if you haven't seen it, it is on Hulu right now. Or if you're able to, please be safe and brave the theater. Don't go if it's not safe. Um, check it out and come back. Yeah, and listen to the spoiler section so. right now. Strathairn, um, I think is really cool. Yeah, because really great he, part. He comes in so mumblecore with it. Like, <laughs> like you think Franny McDee is going naturalistic. This man is. It, this <laughs> man Strathairn. seems like he has never been in front of a camera in his life, and yeah. it's a good thing. Yeah, I I love this character. I wish he was a bigger part of the movie, um, but it's a much needed piece because there was a point in the movie where I was wondering like. Is this going to have like an actual plot? Like, is there going to be because there's this moment where like this band of like ATVs or something drives by and uh, the camp and you're thinking like, is there going to be like a rival gang of nomads or something? <laughs> that would suck. That's a much worse movie. <laughs> I, was, I was like, what's the story here? And I thought that um, there was going to be like a real antagonist to this story. And the fact that there wasn't really kind of you know, knock me back a little bit, but then you get David Strathairian coming in, um, kind of rounding out the second half of the movie, giving it a little bit more of a, of a story backbone. And I loved it. You know, he represents that side that I'm talking about of pulling back to society, mm -hmm. pulling back to civilization. And for it's, and they're both happy with their choices. Yeah. Like he needed to get out. He needed to live the nomadic life. And then he back. was able to come back to it and be accepted. And he had family there to kind of fall back on where Fern doesn't really, I mean, she has the family, but she does not want, she does not choose that path. There's that. It's a little bit, it's probably one of the most movie moments of the entire movie. But whenever, um, Fern does go back to get money from her sister and her sister's like, you've always been a, a lone wolf. You left town, you left home as soon as you could. Yeah. And those are all those actors in that scene yeah. for sure. And yeah. you can tell, yeah. um, but like it is still important for her character uh, to like have that there because you know, like this isn't just somebody who just her husband died and she chose to go out like on a whim just cause she needed to like get out and explore nature or something like that. Like she's always had this energy inside of her. Yes. Yes. But it, she it, found a community in it. It is multi-layered because you do get the sense that the death is hanging over her still. Yeah. Um, and the fact that her whole town like shut down, the movie starts with that title card that says that an entire zip code was disbanded after yeah. the plant, the company town, that was around this plant like shut down and everything and that really like 
drives her emotional journey. You know, not only did she lose her town and her livelihood, but she lost the love of, of her life. And so the only way she can cope with it is to embrace the road, embrace the, 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 the nomadic life. And I think that that gives the, the story it's, it's momentum. It propels it forward. Even if I wasn't like fully connecting with her, the fact that there is this trauma behind it. And to your point earlier about like not seeing the trauma, I think that David Strathairian, I think that that character like fills that gap because you can tell that, you know, there is this sort of a romantic connection there a little bit, but she doesn't want to embrace it because she wants to remember her husband and doesn't want to just push him aside for this new guy. And all of that is, is communicated without it having to be explicitly said. There doesn't have to be a big scene where it's like, my husband is dead and I can't be with you. I love you, but I can't be with you. You know, it's, it's better left unsaid. And I'm glad that the movie didn't go for those easy punches. Do we think that the real life Fern has gone to therapy since then? Since this happened? What therapy is she affording? I I know, but can we like sponsor her therapy? Because she's just got some issues that I think that would just be Mm. better if she just talks these things out. So some of these non-actors, I think, are amazing. I mean, Bob Wells, I think, is great. The the story that he his, tells about his son. The ending, like, I've seen this movie twice and it gets me choked up oh. every time. Like, just like, and it sums up the themes of the movie in itself. It ties it back into the Linda May character, who is another real person who actually does have cancer. Um, that really, really broke me. Yeah. That scene... Um, Oh my God. Just saying like her, about his son, how he killed himself. And now like nomads, you don't ever say goodbye. You say, I'll see you down the road. And so he says like, I'll, I say that to myself that I'll see my son down the yeah, road. Like that guy, That's just, that man just like is a breaking character. Yeah. Like that is <laughs> unbelievable. Yeah. But that is a real person. That's that's the magic of this movie. You know, beyond the themes that it has on its mind about America and about human nature and, and our relationship to civilization and society. It's the fact that it incorporates these real people who are living this life for real. That is incredible incredible and i am so glad that people are gravitating towards it and it's resonating on on that level because i think that that's the the beauty of it you know and obviously like it could make a bigger statement about corporate america and and amazon or whatever but no it's it's not really concerned with that it makes the statement that it does and that's enough and it gives you that little bit and that's what it needs to tell the story that it's trying to tell, which is about these people. Um, I think it's wonderful. I think it's 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 really, really, really well done. Um, let me see if there was anything else that I wanted to shout out. I think that the other thing is, you know, going back to that moment at the house with David Strathairian, the moment where she leaves, where she's just kind of sitting there, even before that, when she's listening to her to them playing on the piano the, during the 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 night that she's sleeping there. I think that's beautiful. Mm. And then the next morning she leaves. I think that that's one of my favorite parts of the movie because, um, again, it's just giving you enough without telling you. The fact that she's walking around the house, she touches the piano, she sits at the chair, and then she walks out the door. 
you know exactly what's happening without hearing a single line of dialogue. You know everything that's going on in that moment. And you get this sense of like, oh, she has the opportunity to stay there. She's offered a place to live in this house, but she doesn't take it. And it's not because she can't. She definitely can. Maybe maybe she she could if she went to therapy a little bit more. But, you know, that's separate. She wants to be free. Mm-hmm. And she drives to the ocean and she sees the water hitting the rocks. And there's this sense of freedom that comes in that moment where you think like, wow, this is why she's doing this. Because she can just pick up and go. And ultimately it's beautiful, but it's also really lonely. Yeah. It's this, so lonely. It's it's not a black and white ending. Uh, this is a profoundly sad movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that doesn't mean that the ending is wholly sad. It's absolutely not. But like you don't end feeling like, man, she is so happy no (laughs) no there isn't really like a real release no because that's not how it'd be you know like like it's complicated florida project gave us like a fake release that like (laughs) that is like very overtly fake for the purpose of telling you hey this didn't happen (laughs) the point where like it completely changes from being shot on film to digital like it's as pronounced as possible um i did want to say i mean just to give more credit to how beautiful this movie is like the way that it looks um lots of chloe, rocks chloe Zhao's partner uh joshua james richards does all the cinematography work there on the writer um and like the vast openness the landscape shots are just unbelievable i i haven't done as much traveling out to the west as i wish that i would have but last year um as soon as the pandemic started in March, um, my girlfriend and I had to go help her mom move from Oklahoma to That's Nevada. Right, yeah. And we drove the whole way. We drove like a thousand miles and it was just being in a car and we did the whole trip in like probably like 36 hours or something like that. But it was so beautiful. Like you cannot really even if you haven't done those kind of trips through the vast openness yourself then you don't know like it just feels like a different country like it does it feels like a different world than the world that you are accustomed to driving through there it just feels like the sky is bigger and that's one thing yes. that Zhao horizon yeah Zhao vast. and uh Richards capture so well in this movie is that it just it feels that is the original like the the grand west that's you can feel why like our ancestors hundreds of years ago wanted to go see what was out there on the west because there is kind of a majestic nature to it also um the score i feel like is really understated but really perfect for the way that this movie looks especially because a lot of this movie doesn't even have a score um it's purposely just people talking with no underlying score but whenever it is used I thought it was really well done um, from Ludovico Inaudi. I could tell by the way you inhaled. <laughs> there was going to be you, a huge the problem. The wickedly talented, the <laughs> one and only. Yeah. Ludovico Inaudi. But yeah, no, I, I thought that like those two things working together, like this is going, there hasn't been a lot of technical award stuff to come out yet, but this is going to get a ton of love from all sides of that 
There's something else I wanted to bring up, which is like, there's this scene where they go to like the RV showcase mm-hmm. and they see like the really fancy RVs that have like the fridge and the bathroom. Yeah, and, and her and Linda AC. May are just like, where are we going? <laughs> Linda May, that's her name. Yeah, Linda May. That woman is so good. Mm. Yeah. I hope that she's still alive. What a sweet I angel. So she much. just she got is... interviewed for something. Oh, I did saw she? Okay, thank God. She's yeah, she's, yeah. she's going to be I in Dune. <laughs> She replaced Timothy Chalamet. Oh my god, (laughs) dude! The worm is the nomad, bro. Just in the sand. Yeah, Francis McDormand is gonna voice the worm. (laughs) That's how you do it, man. Who needs a van where you can be a worm deep in the sand? (laughs) That sounds like a good song. So there's this scene where they go uh, to this RV showcase, and they're they they get a glimpse. Of this entirely different approach, yeah, to the nomad glamping, life. you might yeah. call it. like like the people who do it entirely by choice and also like have a house to go back to when exactly. they're done. Exactly, and it's this ultra luxurious yeah. vacation approach to the nomad lifestyle that is not what these people in this movie are experiencing. These people are experiencing something that most of us will never experience, which is like fully removing themselves from society well maybe not fully but like to an extent that these fuckers with the mega rvs could never even dream of but 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 it made me think about like that idea of like the dream the fantasy Mm -hmm. trying to realize this this dream this fantasy of being a nomad and how there's like all these people who are chasing that and yeah. where the different uh, levels in the in the spectrum lie of like where exactly you are on that on that space, because Fern is on a different level than the people she interacts with. Right. Because I we mentioned earlier, she has opportunities to go back to to living in a home. Most of these people don't. Yeah. They're fully in. Yeah. It's. It's like I said, this this whole movie is about choice. Like it's about the choices provided to us in America and whether or not freedom is real mm-hmm. because these people are able to uh, generate freedom, but they're not given it. Like right. this is not freedom, but they're able to uh, take it as freedom and exercise what little freedom they have within that those constraints. Um, so it's. You know, it's a lot about just making something good out of something bad. Um, Exactly. And in that way, it's extremely inspiring. Uh, But also you could say it's about Stockholm Syndrome. It's about a bunch of people who are in miserable circumstances convincing themselves they're happy. You could you could see it from that insanely cynical viewpoint if you wanted to. That's true for some people, I'm sure. Um, Overall, like if you watch Bob Wells' YouTube channel, it's mostly just him behind the camera. You don't see him interviewing people about their setups or about like their life and how it led up to this and those people it's literally just like it's nomad land yeah <laughs> like you're yeah it's li- it's very natural yeah. you're just watching them they're a lot stiffer because like they're talking to a camera straight mm-hmm. up um but it's just you know it, it'll be like a woman being like yeah i you know i'm getting essentially like 800 dollars a month total um I had to run away from an abusive husband. All I have is this car. Oh my God. Here I am. Um, Maybe this movie could have used a little bit more of that. Oh, you want, you want to see her get beat? 
Jesus Christ, you're a monster. I mean, I mean more of those stories, you know, because there are so many different yeah, stories. I, I like did everybody want... has a different story so, that's embracing this life. One of my other favorite scenes in the entire movie. I don't know if this guy was an he might have actually been an actor and I've just never seen him in anything before. Um, but the young kid who yes. Fern sees like um, and, and Fern is like, where's your mom? I, no, I loved that moment because otherwise when we're in the nomad camp, it's mostly just a bunch of old people yeah, who like, like their partners have died yeah. like that. And I know that so many other people turn to that life for very different reasons. I do really like that scene a lot because it's like, no, nah, there's kids who are out there doing this too. There's the fucking, the white dude with dreads, like buying rocks <laughs> comes up. Like we were laughing, Yo, man, like dude, <laughs> this, is a, this is a cool rock. How much you want for this? Rock? But how, how different is that experience from the 70 year olds, the 70 year olds who are at that point in their life where they don't see any value in material things. Yeah. They're like, it's, I'm fucking 70 years old. I mean, like, what's the point of a house? But I think maybe the movie could have used like maybe one other person that comes from a different walk of life or something like that. I did like the, the Vietnam veteran bit. That yeah, one guy who has like that, that cool. one line who's like, I have PTSD. And if I hear like city sounds, I'm going to lose my mind. Like I have to be out here in the middle of nowhere to survive. I love that. Like, again, there's so many facets of the spectrum. Mm hmm. Of, of of what people want of this life and i i think it's it's fascinating i i could have watched a whole another movie on this that's more more documentary focus and not as narrative to kind of dig a little bit deeper but the way it's presented i think is is really 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 effective the last thing i wanted to mention is the ending so she goes back to empire she goes back to the town completely empty goes back to her house it go, goes in the factory, actually covered in dust, which, which I thought was really cool. Mm. And then she steps out into her backyard and it's just the vast open <laughs> desert before we cut to black. And that I think that was just a beautiful way to an end incredible, it. Incredible because it starts with the tracking shot of her in the house. And after you smell this time outdoors, it creates the feeling of claustrophobia just being inside of a house a very normal thing especially in 2020 2021 that we've been doing a lot more is just being inside of a house and kind of the way that it is framed in the way that uh Zhao directs it it feels like the walls are closing in on you until you go out and then you just kind of see this openness and that's and why that, she just keeps walking that whole town that whole town just looked like rough man like no wonder she wanted to pursue something else um it yeah that's nomad land um Anything one else? other you no know, yeah i mean i'm just saying i was just gonna I, I i really hope that this movie does win um a bunch of awards like it is set up to do even though it isn't my favorite movie that'll probably be nominated like i do like minari more i do like judas and the black yeah. messiah more but i think sound that of metal so I, let's go hey i would love it that ain't gonna happen brother let me tell you i'm also holding out for hope for american utopia i don't know, don't see that happening um or i'm thinking of leaving things don't think that's gonna get any love but i hope that this what wins you, because i think that what I'm, th I'm thinking i'm thinking of ending things <laughs> um i hope that this movie wins uh one because it does deserve all the plaudits and two because i think that it kind of took a like 
the weirdest movie year in history for this movie to even get recognized. Like, do you think that this would be the front runner if we had Dune and the French Dispatch and all these other movies that were scheduled to come out? It's doubtful. Probably not. And like the fact that it did take this chance to get here. I mean, even though, like I said, it's not my favorite movie that will probably be nominated. I would be more than happy if this wins because I think that it deserves it. And it's something that just the Academy doesn't usually get a chance to recognize films like this this is like a terrence malick film like ter- fucking the tree of life isn't winning best picture like what are we- i think it's better than that well i have complicated feelings on terrence malick but hey honestly, i mean you can tell uh you can draw a little bit of a line between chloe Zhao's filmmaking and terrence malick for sure yeah she's she's more concerned with making something that's more uh approachable by the mainstream for sure and i think that's why this movie works better yep so that's Nomadland. Let us know what you thought at We Bought a Mic on Twitter, We Bought a Mic at gmail.com. Follow us, email us, donate, and rate, review, subscribe. Next week, we are talking Minati. Minati. And then our Nick Cage series begins mm. with a little movie called Moonstruck. Hey, brother. So stick around for that. Share. Huh? You guys like share? Huh? Yeah. I, sh- I share hey. podcasts with all my best friends, bro. <laughs> I hit that share button. Do you believe in pod after cast? Thanks for listening. We love you. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.